We at Time to Rebuild would like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. At the YMCA Rebuild, we're in the business of reducing recidivism in Victoria, and in no way do we condone criminal activity discussed in these episodes. We support victims of crime and are committed to creating a safer community. You ask me the questions and I'll talk. I think you've been yelled at a few times, mate. That's a really good point that you make because we're, this is what this podcast is about, is giving out little sight. You're, you're going you're gonna to do things that are compromised, maybe the values and morals that you were brought up with, or maybe they fall right in line with the values and morals that I was brought up having. Um, my focus is just focusing on what I'm going to do when I get out. And all the stuff that you mightn't have thought of mm. that goes on in the prison. Yeah, like how many alarms get set off when you walk in with me, Cronin. Rohan Jones. Saute Sapolu. Hey, what's going on here? <laughs> hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold your horses. We're going to introduce you guys later. Yeah, so we're here, time to rebuild. We've got two special guests today. We've got Mick Cronin and Mac Wilson. Or Mark. Mac Wilson. <laughs> he's, on, he's coming straight hot. He's the, kept the Irish accent. I can't believe this is incredible. <laughs> We are laughing. Thank you, um, Sarte, and thank you, Rohan, for having us um, as your guests today on Time to Rebuild on this very, very special episode where you're turning the tables, aren't you? Yeah, now today is a very, very special episode. As you guys would have heard from the start, things have twisted up, and today our co hosts are now getting interviewed. Ooh, you're going to go easy on us? Not at all. <laughs> I wouldn't expect it. This is your chance. So you get one crack at this anyway, so yeah. Awesome. First of all, we'll just get an introduction from both of you. We'll start off with you, Mick, um, and just what you do at Rebuild. Yeah, Um, so I'm the executive manager of um, YMCA Youth Services, and underneath that, um, my portfolio is youth justice and social enterprise. So I've been working at the Y for... Oh, God. Coming up to 14, coming up to 14 years, be 15 years in, in June. And um, predominantly, I started as case manager, working in prisons, assessing people, getting them into jobs. And I kind of moved up from director up into manager of Rebuild and Bridge Project in 2012. And I've been um, the executive manager for since 2019. So, yeah, been very lucky and been able to, you know, walk my way up and, and, and you know, do some great work. Okay. How about yourself, Mac? <laughs> Are we going like that for the Let's whole episode? Go okay. Go We're going to go no, with Mac. That's cool. Okay. I can dig it. Um, yeah, no, I am the Education and Training Director at the Bridge Project uh, alongside Rebuild. So um, just pretty much uh, take care of all the education programs that we run uh, within the prison and without, and outside of the prison as well. And it's great. I've been, this is my seventh year with, with the YMCA, so yeah, getting... It's pretty young though for a YMCA staff member. There's a lot of uh, yeah, yeah. oldies, but um, yes. Why'd you look at me when you said that? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, and well, and Mick, Mick is part of my job as well. I have to look after him after uh, you know, make sure he doesn't go off the wire or anything like that. Does a good job of that too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I uh, yeah, love it. It's great fun. Get to work with a lot of people, work alongside them, and uh, and help them reach their goals, which is it's, it's great fun. Oh, that's awesome. From when you were a young fella, 
where were you born and um and raised? Yeah. Uh well I, I was I'm a I'm a Melbourne boy. Uh been here my whole life. So yeah, grew up in the eastern suburbs. Obviously, um with my accent, um I was born in London. Uh, no, I wasn't. I was born in Dublin, raised, uh, spent most uh, most of my life, born and bred in the north side of Dublin, um, and then moved to Australia about 2003, um, and, you know, reside here now, married with kids, and, and, uh, and I live also on the north side. So I moved from the north side of Dublin, I like the north side, so I'm a north sider. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I live actually quite close to Mark, um, which I can't help, but anyway. <laughs> okay. So... Growing up, how how did you think of um, working with the community? Where where did this career pathway start for you? Um, for me, never thought of working with the community, and I mean that like in a really honest way. I was probably part more of the community. If that makes sense. We don't go into too much cold and stuff, but uh, yeah. So I um, yeah. Now you know, just growing up, I just did things like. Normal kids, I grew up in Dublin and, um, you know, hung out with my mates, you know, played sports, um, got up to some mischief, you know, you, the, the standard things that you would do. But in my mind, even growing up in my teenage years, I was never, not in my head that I ever think about doing any kind of work like this. It just wasn't in my headspace. Um, I was, I had other things. I was thinking about travel. I was thinking about, you know, moving out of Ireland. And, and, but I also loved as well living there and loved hanging out with my mates. And that was really important to me. It was like probably my friends and, and that kind of part of my life was the biggest thing for me growing up, you know. It wasn't always easy. And, you know, I think that was probably the most enjoyable thing. So I didn't give a lot of thought mm. into what I was going to be or, or where I was going to end up. I lived day by day pretty much, week by week. And, and just kind of, I've always been that way jump into things probably should stop and think a little bit now and again but I just always had that kind of that's my personality I just jump into things and have a go at things and so that's why I kind of you know moved to Australia and that's why I ended up doing where I am now but when I was young nah wasn't on the cards mm. yeah so, look, I'm got very similar hands I'm the same I never thought of getting into working in community services or anything like that um I was in you know, in my in my teens and into my twenties, I was working in hospitality for a long time. You know, through nightclubs and and that sort of stuff. But it wasn't until yeah, I guess the reason why I got into it, I, I just start, I started studying youth work, and I didn't even want to do that. To be honest with you, it was I, I was just I was really lost um, through my mid twenties, and you know, you have conversations with people at parties and stuff, and they're like, oh, you know, what are you doing? Oh yeah, you're still working at the nightclub. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I, I just saw people around me all felt like they were doing great things, and then a mate goes, "Mate, go to uni," and people stop asking that question. You know, what do you want to do? So I was like, "Okay, yeah." And then, and it was a conversation with my mum that that she goes, oh, "I reckon, you know, you'd be good as a youth worker." And I was kind of hesitant as well because, like, you know, youth work doesn't scream out like the big bucks or anything like that. So and that's just the way you're thinking, you know, at that age. But um, yeah, I, I went. Enjoyed it the first year, second year, started to really get a like a passion for it. And then third year, I was all about it. Just wanted to get out there and um, and get in. don't know if anyone knows really what they, like, you know, I think people listening, even yourselves, you know, I don't know if anyone kind of has a handle on exactly what they want to yeah. do and that. It's too much yeah. pressure on that, isn't that? You know, interesting, like, you know, that's, that's for me, like, I... As I say, you say you were lost in your twenties. Well, I was. I was just hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I would probably say for me. Like yeah. I was just off doing things and that. But yeah, you don't kind of really 
I don't know. You fall into things. I fell into this line of work. Mm. It was not mm. it was not something I was looking for. Yeah. Mm. Um, in saying that, obviously, when you fell into this kind of line of work, is there a a certain stage where it finally hit you where you were like, you know, I'm here for a reason. This is what I want to do. Like, is there a certain story or a certain uh, time in your life where you know you just found that it's the perfect place for you? Yeah, it's a great question. Really good question. <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> um, I suppose when I came to Australia, I didn't ever envision working in a field with young people, you know, disadvantaged or in criminal. I never, never did. Um, and I kind of went for other jobs and couldn't get jobs in retail and so forth. And mainly it's probably my Irish accent. You probably thought I was a backpacker and I was going to leave in six <laughs> yeah, months, but I couldn't get any interviews. And, and my brother had walked in, um, he'd walked in a similar field and, and uh, he got me, he asked me, would I want to work at like a um, drug and alcohol um, residential unit? And that was with um, Weissass is the name. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know what I mean? Like I was really torn because I didn't think what can I give that's why your question is so good um, so then I went and started doing this walk and then I realised um, pretty quickly that I wasn't there to fix a problem because I always had this thing like how am I going to talk to someone who's you know detoxing off you know heroin or ice or isn't like you know you, you walk with people in really bad positions you know um, and what am I going to give them but what I knew was I had, um, I had I was able to listen I was able to chat and I was able to give options but I didn't have to give answers. I think that's when I kind of realized, because I saw people around me who were trying to give answers and they were giving answers based on what they felt was right for that young person. And I didn't feel that was right because I didn't think they, they had their own experiences and this sort of person was different. So what I, I found I could do was give maybe options. Like, have you thought of this? What would happen if you did this? Tell me about this. So then I kind of realized after a while that I was not too bad at that and people would come and talk to me and I remember walking in the unit, like I used to talk to a lot, I used to be always, I'm a very curious person. So I just love hearing people's stories. And I, I'm very, I think what I realized was nothing shocked me. And it still doesn't. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I don't, I'm not cold in any way, but I can see and take a lot. So, you know, if you talk to me and tell me something, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh my God, I'll judge you or whatever. I can go, tell me more. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm really mm. interested in that. So that's when I kind of realized in that space I was good. Doing the work I'm doing now, um, working in rebuild. I left that work because I wanted to do more sustainable. That was like, you know, work with people for two weeks while they were detoxing. Loved it, but you'd see the same faces coming through the door. So I kind of really wanted to make a longer impression. So I actually turned down the job when I was off a bridge project. This is a fun fact for you, Mark. I turned down the job three times when it was, a, when it was brand new. Because I was, it was two days a week casual and I wanted to do other stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. Um, and then I just decided one day I'll do it. And I um, had an interview, got the job, and then never looked back. But I think one of the, when you do this job, you kind of know then that it's made for you when you just see them little hidden successes, you know? You two are the reason why I do this job, do you know? Your speech at the breakfast is the reason why I do this job. That's when you know you're doing stuff right, do you know what I mean? You looking after rebuild over Christmas, running the show. That's when you know that you're doing something right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I'm only one part of a chain. But I kind of now know that this is a field where I have a... Where my skill sets, which when I was younger I didn't know, were good or what they could do, were actually good to this. So being able to talk, being able to engage with people, being able to like listen and not be shocked. 
they were good skill sets that I didn't know I had that led to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, like looking back and reflecting, I think, you know, when I did my placement uh, for my my degree, I was out in um, Vincent Care and uh, out in Glenroy. Uh, and just I was shadowing another case, a case manager that worked out there. And um, I remember we, we went to this this um, client's house and we just sat on the couch and had a conversation. And she was saying how much this case manager helped her out, you know, through hard times. And just it was just a general general chat. Um, and, yeah, and just reflecting on that, I remember being in the car with her going, oh, you've done so much for this person. And then she was she was very humble about it, and she's like, "No, it's just it's just the job, you know. Like this is this is what it's about. It's about you know being there for people when they need it." And um, and that I remember, like I wasn't too sure, like even even coming up to the um, yeah the end of that placement. But after having that kind of interaction there, I was like, "Oh no, this is good. This is really good, you know." And I think um, I think like little little experiences kind of cement that, you know. Like Rowan, I remember like when you were, when you were in the course um, inside the prison. You know that was how many years ago now? That's the course about two, two, three years ago. Um, and the best thing about it is, you know, I get to, um, yeah, have that long term working, like working with you. You know, get to see how far you've come and everything. And I think that's that's really important to me. And like, you know, whether I'm here in ten years or not, like I want that in any job. Yeah. I could see that there's a lot of empathy in your hearts, like a lot. And so from what I gather, and I say so for myself as well, you find fulfillment when it comes to seeing other people achieve and you're a part of that chain and to complete that. Mm. It's amazing to see like someone you've seen in the past have come all this way to to where they, uh, their standards are or to the very top and then uh, just... It gives you just that amazing fulfillment that this guy, this person here that used to be um, not so great back then or something, and then they moved on and they tried, kept trying and trying and finally made it to the level that they're satisfied with or that even advanced beyond that. Yeah. That's really amazing. No, thanks. It's correct. It's so correct. It's what keeps you going. Just don't get me wrong. There's good and bad days in this. (laughs) Yeah, I've been through a lot of bad days and a lot of good days, but you just got to know why you're here and why you do the work that we do. And just as you say, yeah, there's the little things, you know, the little things that you get to see in people. Um, and you know what I, lo- I always love? I think I've always liked, I always liked the underdog. Always been that, yes, I always liked the underdog. I always like to see someone, I love stories of that. I love seeing people battling through adversity to, to make it or to, and making it doesn't mean you're rich or making it doesn't mean that you're like, it's making it to what level they, that's, that's their life is, you know, what they want it to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? As people think, oh, you have to make it, you have to make a million books, you have to do whatever, that's great. But just making it can be as simple as just having a job, you know, not returning to prison, buying a house, buying a car, a motorbike, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Them little things. I just love the passion then when I see people talking about that. They're the little things that kind of keep you going, just seeing people proving themselves wrong as well as everyone else around them and succeeding. Yeah, so it's sort of like... Uh, Giving opportunities to people to find their greatest potential. Mm. That's, that, that's all we that's do. It, eh? yeah. And it, it comes down to it. Like we're not, we're not changing people. We're changing the environment. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. So, and that's, that's a big difference because if you go in there and try to change someone. They're not going to listen It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. 
But if you change the environment, you know, to take rebuild, you know, you come in here, you've got positive people, you've got opportunity and you just see people flourish that way. Mm, mm. And that's really important in this industry to understand. Mm, mm, that's right. Obviously, you guys have been on the other side of, um, you haven't been to prison with your, you know, being incarcerated, but you have been inside there helping along other guys. Uh, just one of my questions, feel free to share the story, but what are the hardships in life that you can relate to, like these guys being, you know, locked up inside prison coming out, where you have faced and you sort of see the similar situation that you were put in? Um, and like what kept you going and also feel free to share like what were your methods on uh, you know coming out of that kind of situation mm, yeah great question um, so the first part of the question being sorry I'll just <laughs> it's kind of a lot. Uh, the first so, part of the question is like um, so what's the I hardest relate, th- yeah. oh, the hardest thing being going through and then relating you're relating it to like some of the young people like you can see yourself in you know yeah um, I, I look at this uh, you know going in there and working with some of the young guys I know yeah when, I said it like at the beginning but I felt like quite lost like through the teenage years and, uh, and even creeping into my 20s and I didn't really I guess I didn't really understand myself um, and I was always, I guess, trying to please other people. Um, and, yeah, I never, I, never, I never really thought much of myself and that sounds, that sounds quite depressing actually saying it out loud, but no, <laughs> it's, um, it's more, it, it's, it's, I, just did, I just needed time to figure out who I was um, and I see that every day. You know, every day you walk in there, you see a lot of guys that, that don't know who they are yet. Yeah, and that is probably some of the reason why they're in there. Um, you know, whether they're trying to impress, they were trying to impress someone or keep up with, with the crew that they were rolling with or something like that. And I think um, what I like try and do is yeah, try and like get them to see the good in themselves and the potential in themselves. I went travelling at a really young, you know, I was twenty two, and I went off by myself for six months, um, and I felt that that. You know, I was meeting people and, and, you know, seeing different parts of the world and stuff like that. And I didn't have to be anyone, you know. Like, you know, you'd go to a new town or a new city and then you'd, you know, meet new people. And I started off and I was lying to people saying that I was this and that. And, you know, my dad invented the post-it note. And that's why I'm, like, just travelling and stuff like that. But it got to a point where I was like, oh, I was just being myself. People were still listening. Mm. and then I found I like found a lot of comfort in being myself um, and that was a big change for me and I'm so glad I, I had the opportunity to have that change and I just look at some of the young guys that we work with and they haven't had you know they haven't had the right environment or you know the opportunity to really love themselves yeah it's always about someone else a lot yeah. of the time uh, and it's always about yeah covering something up that they don't like about themselves yeah, um, I definitely 100% agree with you. Yeah. It's, it's only, I guess you can, I could say this for quite a lot of us, but it's, I mean, it's only human nature that we require ourselves to fit in with other people. And what I learned uh, for myself uh, while I was inside is that uh, you can't let other people see you for who you are. You got to uh, see yourself for who you are. Yeah, and that's where the pathway you, you went through. Um, Mac, 
Yeah. With, with that. Like um, you were more focused um, because you were too focused on how people thought of you. Yeah. You never thought about yourself mm. entirely enough. And when you came out with it, the fact that um, you're trying to be yourself, you were very well accepted as well. Because we're all born in this world and we're all unique in our own ways, right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, I suppose, you know, I grew up um, no angel, do you know what I mean, in, in life. And, and um, but also, I was also, you know, I consider myself to be, you know, have good morals and good, you know, ethics about how to do things and see things right and wrong. But, you know, I, like everyone else, you know, I was at times a bit lost, and that like I was spent a lot of my time. I suppose when I was in, like, if I relate to people that are in prison, it's hard for me because, like, obviously, I've never, I've never been to prison. I've seen the inside of a lot of police stations, but I've never been to prison. So, um, but you know, um, I lived times in my life where, on the outside looking at you, I would have been. I've always been this kind of fun-loving energy. Um, slightly mad at times person you know in a good way you know like I always just I see life and, and I just try and have as much fun with it as I can and people probably see me as that way and not that I'm not serious at times but um, I just find it nice and easy to just I just love having a laugh I love lightening things up even in the darkest moments but there's been moments like I, I've, I'll you know grew, I grew up surrounded by probably marinated as I used to say um, or surrounded by addiction you know, um, around my life. So um, that caused me some some issues, I suppose, more mentally, um, that people probably don't ever really seen or never even know. And I'll, I'll talk frankly here. Um, but people close to me would probably know a bit. Um, others might not have ever thought. But, um, or probably saw it. But then, you know, I come up, I grew up in, an, in, an, in a time where you just got on with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I was just a get on with a kind of character. You know what I mean? So even though there was things there, they caught up with me once or twice in life and I had some kind of scarier moments with that. But I was always able to, to maneuver my way through them. Um, I spoke about my friends and I spoke about that. Um, that was probably the biggest thing I had in my life when I was younger was my friends. Um, and I spent a lot of time with my friends. And, you know, people would say, like, family came back to see me. There was a joke, like, where's Mick? You know, like, well, if you can find him, if you find his friends, you'll find him, you know? Because... Mm. For me, it was like school. Yeah, I was all right at that and got through it. Um, but it never really interested me. Study after that never interested me. Um, being out with my friends and having fun, that was my safe place. Yeah. That was my good mm. place. Do you know? And um, that's where I kind of learned more about myself. That's where I kind of got my personality. And then through my 20s and through whatever, like, you know, I had good people around me and I just had a lot of fun. But I think where I can empathize or where I can, you know, where I, where I can do this work is because, yeah, I understand that, you know, some young people in prison or whatever come from backgrounds that mightn't be great, but it's not their fault sometimes. You know, there you can be a circumstance of what your environment is, and it's not that easy. But, you know, if you have the right people around you, you can change your life. I was no, nowhere near where you guys have had to come through and mm. have to face. Let me make that really clear. Um, but I think that I am able to kind of relate and in some ways, you know, be able to give good advice or be able to see solutions 
is what I do. I just create, try and create solutions through the, through, the, through the business, through new leads in the business, through new arms in the business, through innovation and all that. So I think that I, I've got something to give um, and I think that I can you know, help people, but I also don't judge people. I've learned that a long time ago. You know, of some of the most greatest people I've met, you know, some people might never talk to on first glance. Or, you know, and just, it's not always what you're seeing. Yeah, definitely. You know? So, and I've learned that so much over the last few years from talking to people. Just when you hear their story. I learned it today. I was only talking to someone just now. Mm. One of your working colleagues. Spent 20 minutes talking to him. Probably could have talked to him for two hours. Yeah, right. Fascinating. F- learning off that person. Yeah, fascinating. You know, just what he was telling me. I was so removed from it in life. I would never experience what he was telling me. And I just found it incredible. Um, that. So that's what I think, you know, if you can listen to people and give them time and give them space, you know, they'll hopefully respond to you and, and to everything you're trying to achieve. Um, that's, that's awesome. Obviously, in, inside your workspace, did it ever get stressful too much for you at, at, at this work that you thought you just couldn't do it? I've had lots of moments um, in, this, in this role and probably still will. Um, because of the line of work I do, it's not that you can't do it. It's maybe you've got too much barriers, you know? Mm. So I always felt, I was always comfortable talking to people. So going into prisons or youth detention, that was fine. Interviewing young people, fine. As I, got, as I walk now, I do have moments because when you take on responsibility of, of the business, and, uh, and, you know, success of the business. Like, it lands with, it has to land somewhere. It stops somewhere. And for a long time, that's me. It stops with me, you know what I mean? I've got, to had to drive this business. I've got to, you know, I've always had to, like, not on my own, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it on my own. But I've, you know, the one has to stand up and, and if things are going wrong, explain what are going wrong and try and make them right. So I have nights where I'll wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh my God, like, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, can I make this work? You know, I've had some really challenging times in the business where I thought we mightn't go another day. This is before your time, so you're okay. Your job is <laughs> safe, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're managing control. Um, but, you know, I've had times where I've just really been at the bottom thinking, how the hell do you get out of this? How do I get this out? And not because of what it's for me. It's because you just have this, that I'm going to let everyone down. Yeah. That I've got that many people relying on you to keep this business going. Mm. Like, that's massive sometimes. And I talk to some people about it, but people won't get that. But, like, and, and that's my role. That's, that's my choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's make that clear. That's my choice and what I do and what I do. So, yeah. no, I don't mm. need sympathy for anything like that. No, that's no, just no, the no. reality of what it is. Yeah. I choose to do that. That's what I can handle. That, that's what I've realized with myself. I can handle that. I can take that stress. I can take that pressure. Does it have an effect? Yes, it does sometimes. How do I get out of it? Um, I've got family. You know, you do exercise. And I also do a lot of trying to tell myself that it's going to be all right. Yeah. I back my... One thing I do is I've always backed myself in to get it done. Now, you can be overwhelmed and go, how am I going to get through this? But I go, I, do, I take little, little pieces at a time. And I kind of tell myself, well, in two weeks' time, this will be all right. Because it has to be. I've got to make it work yeah. in two weeks' time. We've got to do this event. We've got to get this contract. We've got to do that. You know? And you do. So I have a good reign of confidence in what I do, but doesn't mean I'm not human and I don't get nervous about it or I don't have sleepless nights about mm. it. And um, because I just want to keep growing, rebuild. I want to keep 
doing new things and I want to, uh, you know, I want to create a bigger platform for more young people to do stuff. So that can weigh heavy on you. Yeah, it's not just you, like you choosing to do that. Especially when you get into this line of work, it's that like everyone does it. Like, I mean, I do it at work too. Like if there's something that stuffs up, you know, I could just walk away and be like, ah, psh, deal. Yeah. the boss would deal with it. Mm. But it's letting the fact, you know, letting all the bosses down and I choose to go out of my way, even if it takes that extra hour, you know, and I find that you only find it sort of in this kind of line of work, you know, because uh, you got to have a really big heart, you know, and yeah, um, they, you do choose to do it and we don't ask for sympathy, but it's just one of those things that you sort of feel like it's your moral obligation. That's right. You know, because it, it doesn't sit right in your moral compass just to let it all go and let it go down you too used to you know things going the right way it's a good point and i remember people like sometimes i used to always answer this really quickly i didn't answer quickly today but people would ask you why do you do this work and i go because i can yeah mm. they go, what do you mean you can't i'm built for it yeah mm. i can mm. not everyone's mm. built for it trust me i'm not built to go out and do landscaping you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not built to do lots of things. I can tell you that. I'm not a handyman, the worst handyman in the world. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'm the worst tradesperson in the world. I'm yeah. the worst. Like, I'm not built for that. I'm built for this. Yeah. You know, I can do it. So, um, so I feel it's my, if I'm given something to do, like if I'm given this, something that I didn't know I had until I learned. And I remember, like, I learned, I started this work when I was in my 30s. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, I, like, Forget that, what you need to be and how you need to know where you get to be. I, that, I stumbled into this mm. and then learned from within it that I had the capabilities of being something that I didn't know I could be. Mm, yeah? Mm, mm. So that was amazing. Yeah. So I have to remind myself of that sometimes, you know, that, that, that where I came from and why I got to here. And that, you know, you, you just have to find what your skill sets suit. Mm. And sometimes trial and error. So, you know, but I, I do the work because I believe I've been, I'm built for it. Yeah. Mm. Um, what was the question? <laughs> Why do you walk with me, Cronin? Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know that. Uh, yeah. He's built for it. He's built no, for the, it. It's just dealing with your oh, you know, yeah. the stress. Like, has there ever been a moment where you just thought you maybe you weren't built for it? But Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. The, like, I mean, we used to run our education program statewide. So that had us going, you know, all the way up to Mildura. Um, and then all the way over the other side, Bansdale. And, um, I remember you telling me that while, yeah. while you were inside visiting and teaching us. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not just here at Ravenhall, but I'm also here in Majora. Yeah. All sorts yeah. of places. So, <laughs> like, and, and that was hard. You know, there was, like, the longest streak was 16 weeks straight on the road. Wow. Like, I know some people do that for a living, but yeah. I tell you what, I'm not built for. I was making uh, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was the same laugh he was doing every time he sent me away. Oh. How far? Let's send him to the border. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that New South Wales? Technically, is it still Victoria? <laughs> so, and like, you know, I, I've got a partner and that was that was really tough, you know. Yeah. Only get, getting to see her, you know, um, on the weekends. Um but then, yeah, like, you know, things change and, and so does the job and everything like that. And, and I kind of looked at the bigger picture as well yeah. um, doing that, you know, like it wasn't forever. And I, I knew that like we were doing really good work out there as well, um, going into some country towns that, 
that wouldn't get a course. Like if you were on a corrections order, like there wouldn't be a course like ours for you to mm. do, you know, which then lowers the opportunity for some of the, some of the like men and women that we were, that we were um, helping out there. Um, and yeah, I guess like how I deal with stress now is like, I just, I think routine's really important. And, you know, and the funny thing is I tell that to someone that's, you know, been to prison and nothing but routine. Yeah. And they're like, you idiot. But, <laughs> but and then it, like, it raises a conversation. I'm like, well, for a lot of guys, things start to like happen for them. Like, you know, get a clearer head and everything like that when they, when they go into prison and they've got the routine and they understand what's happening next and everything. And then like the day they get out, they drop all that routine. Yeah. And then like it all falls apart for well, for 43% of the population in Victoria because they'll be back in within, you know, within two years is, is the stat. And uh, if you take it to Australia, that's 54% of people that go to prison like will return within two years. Wow. Um, so I talk about routine. I'm like, you know, and that's the best thing about Rebuild as well because, you know, yeah. you're working yeah. for us in there before you get out. And then it doesn't change. You still like you, know, you still you have know, that routine. Like now, I think it's only like you only know, get a couple of days off, and then you're back yeah. into work yeah. and reboot commercials. So, I think um, I think that's really important, and like that's very important to me is keeping routine. Stick with us. We'll be back after this short ad. Okay, and as usual, our man down on the ground, Mick Cronin, looking for sponsors. Mick, how are we doing out there? Man, I can't find a sponsor anywhere. But I can tell you, there's an extreme weather front coming our way. They're predicting showers, thunder, lightning, you name it. I've got to get out of here, man. Why am I out here in the first place? All right, stay safe, Mick. Speak to you soon. Back to the episode. I completely agree with you, Mac. Um... When I first uh, got released out of jail, uh, everything was very, very overwhelming, especially how fast things were going as well. Um, as soon as I um, exited the, the prison grounds, um, got into a car, my family picked me up, and then what happened was uh, we drove home straight away, and I just noticed that how, the car, how fast the cars were. Um, being inside the vehicle as well, everything seemed to be like uh, like instead of going 100 kilometers or something it feels like you're going 200 or so so um i get what you mean and the only way i could feel safe again or felt like as if i was doing something for uh for a while was to have that routine and maintain that routine so while i was uh, incarcerated um my routine was um have your breakfast it was um oats with milk with berries and peanut butter yeah, so that would be like my protein kind of oatmeal. And then after that, I'd go to the gym. And then that would be my um, morning routine. And then um, I, I put that into my life when I got outside. And I found that it was actually a lot easier to adjust to society when I was um, still having my same routine. Even even eating the same type of food as well. Like there was McDonald's, KFC and all sorts of food out there. But I never got into them because... It felt better if I was eating my oats in the morning yeah. rather than go, going to get um, yeah. McMuffin from McDonald's yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's true what you're saying. It's, yeah. um, having a routine 
is uh, a good way to feel um, to relieve the stress to yeah. feel like you're in a safe safe place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and knowing what like you know what's coming next is is really important to some people. Yeah. You know? The, like, the un- unexpected is by far yeah. the worst and I te- outcome for us. <laughs> and I tell you, like doing this job, the one phrase is, you know, take every day as it comes. I'm like, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, like plan that day. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I wish I was straight into routine when I got released, but no. Were you straight into KFC? <laughs> mate, <laughs> I was KFC for that. <laughs> I was like, mate, you don't get this inside on me. Just in case I was like... Stuff your oats. Yeah. <laughs> just in case they did a U-turn, I'm like, wait, no, he's got one more week to do. <laughs> we stuffed the paperwork up. <laughs> yeah. Nah, um, but I do think it's really important, routine. I mean, I, like Rohan said... Um, you know, routine, and you said routine, it is important because when I got out, I think that's what stuffed me up. Like, I got out very fit, I had um, dreams and things I wanted to do, but obviously, you know, the predicament I was in, no excuse, but it made it a bit harder. But yeah, um, made it just that tad bit harder. And I reckon if I stayed in routine, who knows? But I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't have ended up here. Mm. There you go, huh? wouldn't be on this mic right now interviewing two yeah. great men. Yeah, you wouldn't be a pod, uh, podcaster, <laughs> yeah. I would say. <laughs> what has it been like working at Rebuild or Bridge or even inside the Y with the youth services? What's it been like um, in all your moments, your saddest moments, your happiest moments? Give us a roller coaster. Yeah, Mac. Yeah. You, you'll start off. Yeah, I'll start yeah. off. Um, yeah, it's been great. I think I'm a massive fan of social enterprises and, and like, to be honest with you, I didn't know what a social enterprise was before starting this job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and like, I see myself, I don't, I don't see myself not working for one, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. And there's been some really, really good times. We've, we've spoken about like some tough times, but I think like one, one comes to mind, we're up, up in Bansdale uh, and had a group of guys up there, and they were really challenging. Like, they were full from day one. We had 12 guys all like testing me and the other facilitator up there. And then by the end of it, we had, you know, eight days with them uh, over, over four weeks. And I think um, <laughs> it was really good. Like, we all clicked really well. And I think the, the best part of that of that time up there was you know there was a, there was a young guy he was 27 um and never worked before um which is quite problematic when you never had a job at and, you, and you're 27 and he had three kids and had some like confidence issues and stuff like that and we just worked with him um and sp- and spoke about you know he, he had actually a job interview while in the course so i'm like hey all right sweet let's uh let's get you ready for it so we did a lot of interview prep um, and that, and then got him to go down. Had, I dropped him off. He had the job interview. Came back the next day. And he's like, "Oh yeah, no, they like they told me straight after that I didn't get it." Mm. And like, and that was shattering. And I'm like, oh, "You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna go back. We're gonna go ask why." Mm. Okay, that information is so important to you. And so many people, when they get knocked back for jobs, they never they never ask why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that information is only important to you. You know, because it might be one thing that you're doing that's stopping you from getting a job. So took him back down again and I dropped him off and then saw him the next day. And then he's like, oh, 
he he called me this morning and he was like so blown away that like I had the initiative to go down there and um yeah. and ask that he's given me the job and I'm like that man, is awesome you know like that's mad and it, like that was I was that was a really you know that was good because it was tough being away from my family and everything like that but then when you get those little little nuggets of gold you know, <laughs> yeah. like that like it makes it worthwhile that's and um yeah I like I haven't spoken to him since but that's the nature of the beast you know with with community services and i think that's a good thing in a way you know like if you haven't uh, if you haven't heard from someone but um shout out to bansdale shout out to bansdale pretty cool i love the way you just like you drop it what's bansdale that's near sale yeah 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 Yeah. past there so Yeah. yeah and that like that's always stood out that's always stood out to me and especially like working with guys that you know you think that they don't like care for you or anything yeah. all the work that you put in and stuff like that that it kind of goes over it like that those sort of you know you keep pushing yeah and you keep and you keep working when you have those sorts of um you know we have those experiences yeah i oh, look at it's, it's hard to it's hard for me to pinpoint like there's been so many of amazing things that have happened and there's been so many lows i think when your question was like the lows i think i spoke to you about it earlier when i first took over the business it was really bad like and within nine months and um you know didn't know what it would actually survive so that was one of my biggest lows because i was quite new into the role of management and you know at that time i probably thought oh yeah you know i can do this like i was doing lots of the work for bridge anyway and work i had all the connections with the employers i was doing all that but what I didn't um, count on was my skills as a manager. You know, I could I could probably lead, um, which is different. I believe leadership management, um, and I could probably, you know, with all the other kind of you know good things I could do. But like actual the basics of management wasn't kind of wasn't sharp. And I I was where I typed it again earlier. I was pretty confident, like I'm pretty confident and have a crack at something. You know what I mean? I've done lots of things just like I'll do that. Do you know what I mean? And I'll do it. Um, so with management, I thought, I'll do it. I'll get it done, you know. Um, and about nine months in, it was coming close to, you know, there were some things that, I, you know, happened and some of my co- in my control, some were under, un- not in my control. But it nearly led to the end of the, the, the project. And, and so I had about three days there, and I'll always remember this, so three days where we had a big event, the Bridge Breakfast back then, and it was my first year doing the event. <clears throat> and I was trying to change the way it was going to look and, and feel. And its outcomes, and that was nearly nearly cancelled two days beforehand. And they, wow. they nearly stopped it, and they nearly were going to. People don't know this. It was really close with bridge and rebuild to be stopped. On my watch, nine months into being a manager, so wow. imagine that as a career killer. You know what I mean? So, so that was always facing. So I think for three days, and I always remember this time. I remember for three days, I barely ate, and I barely slept. You know, and I just it was my first kind of introduction into like really hard stressful pressure doubt anxiety worry it was all there mm-hmm. i was just yeah swimming in it and i remember being at a and i had to go and do meetings i remember being at this meeting in this firm in the city and i was coming down in the elevator and i had a mirror in the elevator and i looked in the mirror <laughs> the day before the breakfast i looked at myself i went you look like you're gonna die like you look like I like, could not have looked worse in my life. Like I was just looked terrible. Like and I just looked at myself and said, "What are you doing?" So f- 
from them moments, you know, um, what I do know about myself is like I go, okay, you can, I can let this defeat me or I can fight. So I, I chose that day after going out of that elevator and going, I'm going to fight. Yeah. So I'm going to, this is not going to be my defining moment. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, led to just get through every day as it comes, Mac. Yeah. Uh, at that stage, <laughs> I was living that way. Uh, and then just got through to the, the event. Then I started to put plans in action for, 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 for Bridge and Rebuild um, on how we could make them better and how we could do them different. And I had to sell that to a lot of people um, who had to actually back me because mm. I was a bit, un- there was a bit of a question mark on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I had a question mark on me. And, and it was okay. That question mark was good for me. So I was able to then go, okay, I'll, I'll show me and then I'll, because I need to show myself that I could do it, and then I'll show you, yeah? And then yeah. by doing that, I can show everyone. Um, so that was probably one of the worst moments, and then one of my proudest moments was being able to turn that around to then deliver events that, you know, had 400 people and they were raising X amount of money, but then also get the business to, to, to where it is today and start to turn it around really, really quickly. Um, so that was probably that. But then the other little, the other little smidgens of moments I just, you know... Um, you know, things I spoke with earlier. Your speech at the breakfast. That was a moment. Yeah? And it was. I'm not just saying it because you're here. That was a moment. You know what I mean? I stood there. With, like, sat there with 400 people in a room. Nearly everyone crying. Standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And you just hit it. You just hit something out of the park that you, you wrote the day before and spoke to me about. And then you went up and delivered it like a boss. Like, not even looking at the bloody paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a moment. Yeah? And you would have known it because I had to go up and speak after you and I couldn't even speak. Yeah? So, that was a moment. Um, and there's been many of them. Do you what know what I mean? There's been many of them in other events. Trams are moments. Yeah. Like being in that depot with, with you guys, there's a boat on the tram, yeah? As like with, um, with two, other, two other rebuild um, employees. They're moments. I love that. That's the really exciting stuff that I get to do. Like in your walk, sometimes you don't get to do exciting stuff. Yeah. There's bad stuff and there's the, the hard stuff and there's the stuff that drains you a little bit and there's the amazing stuff. That was an amazing moment. Like when you see that, when you know, when you see your faces, you see your faces looking at that tram, taking pictures and having your photograph taken beside it. it was incredible. So yeah. they are amazing moments. He would have thought like, "Oh, yeah, you're gonna have a tram for this podcast." Yeah, With yeah. Your faces on it. Like, shout out to the trams. Shout out to the trams, <laughs> and shout out to you guys for being able to be so good to be able to do that. But it came out brilliantly. Yeah. They're yeah. moments. They're amazing moments. Like being able to. You know, um, you know, meet people of businesses that I would never get the chance to be able to be in conversations that I never thought I would be ever be invited. When I was in the premier's office, in the premier's <laughs> office, I left for one hundred and fifty k. Who would let me into an office with a premier? Then they should have should have locked the safe too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. these, you know, they just their moments. I ne- like I'm just a bloke from Dublin. Like I ne- like who who let me talk to politicians? Yeah. But then you understand. As I say, that I'm built for it because your past stuff in your life allowed me to have the confidence and go, well, I don't really care. You're just a person. Mm. Like, I've always made a point if I walk into a prison, I'll speak to someone that's in a prison the exact same way as I'll speak to a politician in their office. No difference. Mm. People. So, mm. you know, they're moments that I'll always have that I only take away from me. And I'll, I sometimes go, How did that just happen? Why mm. did that just happen? But mm. it did. So, that's what keeps you coming back. They make, the, they make the harder ones a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah. That's a very amazing. Very, very amazing. It would have been tough doing all that work, though. It is. But it, you pushed off and pushed on. 
You push on. What do you do? We yeah. have to tell you every day, don't we, to push through adversity. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? We have to do it. Like, it doesn't mean that we're... And we're human. That's the thing I'll say. Like, Mark, myself, like, we're human. Like, God, I made mistakes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I made mistakes in this job. I make mistakes in life. Everyone does. Like, but I'm all right to own them. You know what I mean? I wasn't always in my life, but I'm all right to own them now. Like, I can be vulnerable. I can show people that... Yeah, look, I stuffed up, but this is how we're going to get out of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. hard. Some people can't do that. And I, I'm for a while, I couldn't, I fought with that as well. Because, I, you know, perfection and how people view you and all that. I don't give a rat's now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because as long as I'm good with it, I look in the mirror and not look like I'm going to die. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm all right with it as long as I know that I'm on the right way going forward. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought that story was going somewhere else. I thought you looked in the mirror. Damn, I'm sexy. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a mirror that exists <laughs> yet. That's done that to me, man. Actually, you should try a Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, you reckon that's the put, way? Put the beauty filter yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> See how I don't even there. think that would do it for me, mate. Let's <laughs> <laughs> try. Yeah. So how are you going here with the questions? Eh? Yeah. These are, you know, you're fairly rocking it through here, eh? So this is a... Not in the script, sorry. <laughs> going off script, are we? Throw it script. away. Oh, here we go. Now, I just want to ask, as a person, like, you know, I think you asked this yourself, like, if you could go back your 20-year-old self or, you know, before before that nine months hit you, you know, what would um, some advice that you, you know, you've obviously grown and you've built your character who you are today, what would have, uh, some of the advice that you'd give to yourself? Very tough question. Bring that tissue box down here, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how when you ask the question in your 20s, you pointed to Mac. <laughs> 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 I know. I'm like, is, is he 20? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it wasn't yeah. coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, early on, I think just, uh, like if I could go, I'd, I wouldn't change anything, but I'd just say be a bit more kind to yourself. I put a lot of pressure on, I still put a pressure on myself today. At a younger age, like, uh, I get excited about a lot of things now, you know, and I kind of give a shit a bit more. Um, <laughs> well, explain uh, that. What do you mean by giving a shit? Giving a shit in what sense? Yeah, like... like the smaller details of life, I guess? Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, going back to... Yes, <laughs> but, like, you know, in um, in high school... Like, I just did all the subjects that were the easiest and, you know, that I thought, oh, yeah, like, that won't be too hard and everything like that just to get it done. And I didn't care. Um, I didn't care that much for it. I, I, along with Mick, you know, like, I cared more about socialising than anything else. Um, But now, like, I got a lot more interest in things, you know, and I, I, you know, if I I find an interest in something, I'll dive straight into it, Um, which I didn't quite have, like, at that age. Um... And I think, yeah, I was, I was quite hard on myself because I saw a lot of people with, you know, they were doing this and that. and um, They were kind of going out of reach in a way, like if you were kind of measuring yourself with them? Yes. Was that what yeah. you were doing? Yeah, definitely, yes. definitely. And yeah, don't look, at, don't look at life as a competition, you know. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. But you can look at life as a rivalry because a rivalry is different to a competition. Okay. A rivalry is more of a sense as... You are not trying to beat the person, but you are trying to, I guess you can say, outperform mm-hmm. the person. And therefore, you see the rival's strength and weaknesses. But the rival will also see your strength and weaknesses. And so you build upon that. Okay. And you kind of discover yourself that way. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, rivalry is like a, I, it's hard to explain, but I guess you can say it's some part of a competition at the same yeah. time. 
but um, you're kind of like battling off at each other and then uh, one is exposing their strengths and also their weaknesses and the other one is exposing each other as well yeah mm. and therefore you learn from your weaknesses that you um, expose to the rival and therefore you learn from that fascinating right. I like that yeah hey <laughs> Rowan just killing it over there I this hey I wish there's actually a spot as a co-host Rowan I'm just going to tell you that now <laughs> you're, just, you're, you're you know I'm going to be talking to you after this <laughs> Mac, tell you, you're in trouble, yeah. Start your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be a competition, though. No. It would be a rivalry, <laughs> rivalry. wouldn't it? That's yeah. what it would be. So I love that, um, Rowan. Thanks for sharing that one. Um, <laughs> if I could give any advice to my oh, 20s, I'd have to find myself first because I was missing. Um, once I found myself, I don't know. It's probably similar to, like, I wouldn't change much. Like, I, I kind of own everything. You know, aware that it is, I always think that everything that you do and everything that you make, good decisions and bad decisions, you know, have made me, you know, who I am. Um, I might just, I might just say to myself sometimes, just, just slow it there a second, you know, just, yeah. just slow and breathe a little bit. Just take your head out of everything, just lift it up a little bit and, and see. Um, just look after yourself a bit more, just breathe a little bit more. But, you know, it's easy said, like giving yourself advice then, but that's probably, you know, I, can't, I, I could say, oh, you, you, you know, should have done this and should have, you know, saved money and should have done that. I chose, I made decisions that I stand by and I don't regret. I probably just could have maybe, I think, just taken a second just to slow it down and not live every time in the mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I just lived for every moment, mm. which is a good way to live. But now you kind of go, yeah, what you know, what might have, what might I have done, yeah, if I hadn't slowed it down, you know, could I begin to just walk quicker? Maybe not. Mm. Could I have done something different? Maybe not. And if I did, well, maybe I, that wouldn't have been the best decision then. Mm. So yeah. you don't know. Maybe that's all I'd say. Slow down, take a breath. Well, the funny thing about the question is like. If we were to give ourselves that advice, we wouldn't listen at that age. Yeah. That's correct. That was <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have listened at all. No. Get stuffed, you and you're yeah. slowing down the breath. Yeah. I'm off. See yeah. you later, old man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs> I actually want to so uh, throw that question to my mentor, Salty. Oh. Right back at you. Because you've been an unbelievable mentor to me. So I'd like to hear what your uh, advice you'd give to your 20-year-old self. I tell you a couple of years ago, though, isn't it? <laughs> that was eight years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago. <laughs> nah, even then, I was still a bit of um, an idiot. But that's a good question. Um, even you asked it. So <laughs> <it's> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Modesty at its best, eh? Um, I'll probably just say, you know, something along the line where Mark said, be yourself, you know. I, I remember that age, I was definitely not trying to be myself whereas now I'm a, myself you know I'm that kind loving hearted person where back then I was just trying to be a so called gangster um, and then trying to impress people that was, that was uh, because I, it's always been in my heart to be a good person but um, yeah I'll definitely just say to myself you know be yourself and do it quicker than, you know, sooner than later. Otherwise, the next year you'd be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that noise mean for the VA, for the listeners, uh, mate? That, that's the key going inside the door. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one that you can't open. <laughs> it's one way, yeah. 
Yeah, but yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well done, mate. You said pat in the back. High five. So, what do you see next? Uh, what are your dreams and aspirations um, for Bridge and for Rebuild? Um, oh, look, the sky's the limit, I suppose, isn't it? Like, it, it's. I think for Rebuild, like, we're obviously doing this recording, um, our first ever recording in our new building in the West, um, West Melbourne. Mm. Um, so, brand new building for Rebuild. So, this is this is a moment we talked about it earlier. This is a moment because yeah, like this is a home. I think it's the first home. I think it's the first real home rebuild will have yeah. and has had, and it's your home. Like so, that's that to me is is a great foundation. Um, where do we go to next? Well, you know, it's all about impact for me. It's all about like how can we change the lives and impact more lives through new or existing services and programs that we do. So where is the next kind of innovation? Where is the next kind of, you know, um, program or service that we can introduce? Or where is the next part of Rebuild that we can help with? So it could be sponsorship, could be all that. So for me, I've got like a, I've got a million things that run through my head on a daily basis. I've got a book of stuff that I'm writing down on like of what, what I would like to do next. So I think we... First and foremost, we're in a bit of a recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The business is in recovery, like many other businesses um, around because of COVID um, and, and the effects it have. And we're feeling the effects. We've got a hangover. Yeah. And the other, other businesses were right in the middle of it. We're having, and they probably have challenges as well. We're having a hangover because what we're seeing now is the effects of COVID has hit us over the last couple of months. Whereas when we we're in the middle of it, we weren't so bad. Um, but now we're seeing, you know, with you know, staffing numbers and, and everything else, it's, it's a little bit challenging for us. So I think first and foremost, we just need to get the business back to where it was. We need to get the numbers of crews and, 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 and more young people through the door. Because um, the great thing is we have lots of, and you know because you do it, we've got lots of work. We've got lots of, you know, good, good customers and partners and, and business partners. So for me, first stage is just getting it back. Yeah, just gra- grabbing it back month by month to where it's at a really, really, really good, stable position again. And then from then, we kick on with the next the next stage of, of what that growth will be. Um, I can't exactly say what that looks like, but, you know, we've got some ideas. We've got some ideas for grants and we've got some, you know, new programs that we're looking at, collaborations with our social enterprises. Um, for me, it's just about how, how do we unlock even more potential that Rebuild has. Mm-hmm. You know, and that goes down to what you do and I think, you know, the work that you do and, and everyone else does here. So it's a big social enterprise, it's a great social enterprise. Um, but I always, I, I it should be quoted in this, I always say we're just getting started mm. and I've been doing this for that long. I just feel we're into the next stage. I feel like once we get through this, the next six months, I think then we'll be kicking into a new stage of rebuild. Building new programs, we got to shop online, like podcasts, all of this stuff we want to grow and develop and, and, and make even better. But the end result is more impact, more young people getting employed and trained and more career pathways being presented um, and less people returning or going to prison. Stay tuned. Stay Definitely. tuned. I don't give too much of my secrets away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too many people listening to this, they'll steal them. Yeah, nah, they won't, it. they won't. 
Uh, yeah, along the lines of what Mick said, like I'm big on, I think the tram's really given us a bit of, uh, given, given a, a bit of uh, airtime, would you say, in the sector. And I think uh, I'm massive on collaboration as well. I think um, working with other social enterprises is, is something that I'm really um, keen on doing moving forward. Um, and just, yeah, just creating like really strong impact, I think, at the end of the day, having, having options for young people. And just like, you know, creating that, as I said, like not changing them, changing their environment, you know, and that means having the options for them, you know, like working with not just like getting them employed, but like, hey, let's let's work on how do we, you know, change health maybe for some some young guys and girls. And then, um, yeah, just expanding that way. And like like the, the possibilities are endless, creating an environment that's welcome, that's positive and just, yeah, going from strength to strength, working with, you know, a lot of other people in the sector. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, thanks for coming in, you know. It's coming towards the end of the show. Um, I think some real key points, you know, were delivered, especially uh, just with the with the hard times that you guys dealt with. I, I myself learnt a lot the time in the room with you. But um, before we we let you go, we, uh, we always ask a special question. Rohan? <laughs> Yeah, so Mac, I'm gonna ask you this okay, question. Okay. Yeah. So, what did you want to be when you were uh, when you're younger? Oh, in your days. That's a great question. It's a really good question, isn't really it? Really good question. Was it an astronaut? No, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't actually. No, when I was younger, I wanted to be a cartoonist. A cartoonist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired you to become oh, a cartoonist? Well, me and my best mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Growing up, we would always we would always draw cartoons and everything like that, and you know, big fan of the Simpsons back in the day and all that. So, yeah, we just always were, were drawing and we drew these cartoons. And I've still got one, actually, at my mum's house. Of, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that, that he drew me. And um, I'm a shocking drawer now. <laughs> but that's uh, what I wanted to be when I was, yeah, quite young. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Mick, um, when you were a young lad? What did you want to be when you uh, grew up? Yeah, great question. Interesting, I never heard that as well, Mark. All the times we've done this, this is we've never asked this question to each other, so it's really interesting to be asked. It. Um, for me, it was really simple, actually. Um, growing up in Dublin, it was you know, I had a like my family were either music or sport. Yeah, so all my brothers, um, uh, four brothers, and most of them were like majority of them played music or they played sport. I was useless at music, <laughs> but I um, played sport. So I was, um, so when I was younger, like I, I wanted to be a professional, what I would call football player, yep. you would call soccer. Um, so I've got to say that because yeah, I'm not allowed back in Ireland if I say soccer. <laughs> um, so I wanted to be, I, I, I just played from, when I, from whenever I was young, I, I just, you know, kicked the ball basically and, and, um, and played, as soon as I could, I played football and, and, uh, and I kept playing it um, all the way through. And uh, it was just, I just like, because a lot of people in Dublin, like a lot of people had made it in football. Like mm. a lot of Irish people at times that I looked up to had made it over there. No one I kind of knew in our town. It was hard back then to be spotted as, as a soccer player. But like it gave you hope. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't see anything more that I ever wanted to be out of that. You know what I mean? But you just had them dreams of being a, 
you know, somehow someone would see you and you'd, you'd be a soccer player, you'd be a football player and you could get you out of something, you know what I mean, and into something. It was always really that. that. So I wanted to be that. Um, sadly, I didn't make it. Um, but, uh, you know, I loved playing my whole life. And I think it was, I used to always say I was quite socially challenged playing football because <laughs> I used to play football on a Sunday and uh, Saturday nights were pretty big. So, uh, so <laughs> you know, to get me on the football pitch, there's a few stories there, um, was pretty hard at times. But um, that's what I wanted to be. Um, and, you know, I still coach football now. Uh, oh, wow. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I coach football um, and I played. I'm, I just finished playing pretty much. Well, I still play, but I finished playing like I'm 46 now and I was still playing last year. Wow. So, you know, I still love the game, but I think I'm not going to make it. So uh, <laughs> I've got to retire. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. You got a team? Yeah, the team I support is uh, Manchester United. Uh, so there'll be a lot of people yeah, listening going, hey, shout out to Man United. So, yeah, not doing too well at the moment. So, yeah, so we won't talk too much about that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time here today, Mick and Mac. Appreciate you coming forward here to the podcast. And I hope you enjoyed the um, session we had together. Yeah. It was a pleasure. No, it was great. Pleasure. You've uh, you went you went you went easy and hard on us, you know. So it was uh, yeah. No, really enjoyed it. Great. You you did an amazing job. Hats off to you. It's been a pleasure and um, being oh, pleasure you. pleasure being your guests. Well Appreciate done. It. If anything in today's episode has raised any issues for you or someone you know, head over to our website for a full list of services that may help at ymcarebuild.org.au under the podcast tab. This podcast was produced by Mick Cronin and Mark Wilson. Editing done by Mark Wilson.